Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Oxygen Starved podcast, where we bring you your adventures, books, and conversations, your ABCs from 11,000 feet in the beautiful Eastern Sierra. I'm Stacy, And I'm Christopher. And with us as always is producer Doug. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Doug. Hey, Doug. How's it going? It's going well, thanks. Just plugging you're, along. You're getting ready for some vacation. Yeah, and going crazy at the elementary school trying to accommodate all the moves and the construction and all that stuff. It's a it's oh. a really busy time. Yes, it is. And trying to get used to being back in person yeah. is a, is it's a good problem to have, right? Yep. I agree totally. <laughs> yeah. It is, right? You know, the library's reopened a couple of times during this whole thing and um you know, there's that initial really great feeling and then the week goes by and the little things start coming out that you have to deal with. So yeah, it's every, every day, it's a new day, every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> a new challenge, a new set of requirements or something. But right. Well, we can talk about that later. Let's start with the fun stuff. We're going to make it work. Yeah. Oh, of course. So, we always do. so we had a fun adventure last week. We you did. and I, we got to do something together, which was fun. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while, right? I know. It was really fun. And it was a beautiful day. We headed out to Chalfont, which is on the east side of the county, um, just north of Bishop, which is actually in Inyo County. Um, and we went to Big Trees. Big Trees. Yes. I, you know, a lot of our listeners right now are going, yay, they went to Big Trees because they'll know exactly what we're talking about and why we're so happy. And and some listeners will have no idea. <laughs> they're they're thinking, did they see a bunch of big trees? What did they do? <laughs> it was your first time to big trees, right? It was, yes. Yeah. I had I wasn't really familiar with it at all. Um so until you is. mentioned it. So Big Trees is a garden shop, essentially, and they sell everything from um, you know, vegetable plants to all different kinds of trees and flowers and ground cover, scape, and all everything that you need for your garden, you can get there. Everything from the seed to giant trees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're so nice. They're so nice. And they, if you buy some big trees that you're going to plant around your house, they will deliver them to your house. You know, I once Which is saw a nice feature. <laughs> I once saw um, uh, a family loading like three big trees in the back of their big pickup truck out in that parking lot in front. And yeah. Thought, oh my goodness! I hope they tie them well down because I didn't know how far they had to drive to get them to where they lived. But I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> that could be precarious. Yes. So it's probably better to have them delivered. Yes, my my husband had told me if I saw a certain kind of tree while I was out there to to get it. And I was like, well, how am I going to put it in my, my Honda pilot? How is that going to work? He's like, well, they deliver like, Oh, but then I didn't know what kind of tree he was talking about. So that was a fail. 
Well, let's step back and say, like, you know, Big Trees is it is kind of a local institution, especially mm-hmm. when it kind of opens full time for the season in the spring. And it serves, you know, that whole Eastern Sierra community, the Inyo County and, and Mono County, not just because it is a big garden center with a lot of really knowledgeable, friendly staff, but also they are knowledgeable about what will grow in different parts of the region. And a lot of us live at very different elevations. Yeah, right? definitely. And, yeah. I think you're you're a good three thousand feet higher than I am yep. in terms of you know what we can grow and what our growth seasons are, and they do also have a number of local plants, which is also useful for those of us who are trying to do pollinator gardens or what have you that um, really celebrate the local flora. Yes, and they they are great about getting you know if they don't have what you want, they'll order it for you, and they're just so they couldn't be more helpful. Um, than they are. They're just really knowledgeable and really kind. And, um, yeah, and it's true. It's, there's so much variance in what you can grow depending on what your address is in this County. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, we're recording this, it's mid April and this is that up and down time of year, right? It was a beautiful day when we went to big trees and it snowed in mammoth yesterday. So by the time this episode, we Airs, we could have another blizzard. Who knows? You know? Oh my gosh! Well, I, <laughs> oh, I hope just cursed not. it. <laughs> I, I, I hope I didn't just jinx it. But um, but no, you know, I really, I really enjoy big trees because it, it's kind of an outing and an adventure that everyone does. If you go there on mm-hmm. a Saturday morning, you get there early. Half the Eastern Sierra, it feels like, is there. You run into your neighbors, you run into your friends. Everyone's in a good mood, um, and it's just kind of you know. It's kind of a fun outing. Now, whenever, yeah. you know, Will says we should go out to big trees, I'm like, yeah, I'll make space in the day to go do that, you know, as opposed to other types right. of errands where it's like, oh, I really don't want to go to the supermarket again, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's, it's, a, it is an adventure to go out there and it's something fun to do. And you know that, you know, when you pick up the the plants or the seeds or the trees, whatever you're getting there, you know, you're going to have a, a great result at the end when you get them back to your home and, Right. plant them right you know it's yeah. it's the be it's like the beginning of a process yeah um that's a lot of fun and it is also for many of us one of the few times we actually drive to that part of mono county right because mm-hmm. it is kind of it's off of 395 it's it's you know a dozen miles to the east so it's right. not on the normal beaten path for many of us exactly yeah you you have to you do have to make an effort to get out there for most most of us yeah, so, but it's but fun, it, and we both came away with stuff. We did, yes. I bought a rosemary plant. I'm so excited to reap the benefits of having that. And <laughs> you? Oh yeah, we bought. We're going to try artichokes this year. We're going to see if we can actually grow artichoke to something edible. <laughs> and and we did we did joke that we would see who whoever whoever's plant dies first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not. But what I liked, you know, what I like, and maybe this speaks volumes about us, Stacey, is that we both picked plants that are that have edible parts, right? Like we both yes. like to cook with this stuff. So definitely, yeah. I well, think that's the the most fun thing about growing for me growing vegetables and, you know, fruit trees and, you know, things like that. That's, that's the most fun because you get the benefit of your labor. 
You know, I would someday I'll do a master gardener program. I've met a few people mm-hmm. who've done this. Right now, we're still in the stage of just seeing what comes back year after year in our garden. And I like all the flowering, pollinating plants because I like seeing the different kinds of bees that show up and wasps and flies. And there's a great variety of them. And I just get fascinated by them in my old age, I should say. <laughs> Well, you're you're going to learn a lot then because <laughs> there's different things that show up every year. I mean, that's how it is for us. We never know from year to year what of our fruit trees and berries and, you know, what's going to come back and what isn't. You yeah, know, two right. years ago, we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't pick the peaches and the apples fast enough off of the trees. There were so many. Mm-hmm. And then last year, nothing. So, I mean, it's just, it's just hard to know. And I have talked to people who are master gardeners and, you know, they say the same thing that they just don't know from year to year. And that's kind of the fun of living in the Eastern Sierra and trying to cultivate plants. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's, it's just a little mystery. So. Well, listeners, if you'd like to cultivate your own little mysteries um, or not, <laughs> <laughs> we do, uh, if you haven't, we do uh, encourage you to go check out, spend an hour or two at, at Big Trees out in Chalfont Valley. It's not really a plug for them as a business, is, is it is really just a personal adventure and just get to see the different types of things that they sell and that will grow in the Eastern Sierra region. And again, they're just really helpful, friendly people. So yeah, head on out and check it out. And we'll be right back. Welcome back, listeners. We're at the books portion of the podcast, our favorite portion of the podcast. And we're not going to cheer this time, right, Stace? No cheer. Okay, good. Let's just move right into it. Um, Keep our listeners guessing. So, you know, for this this time, we chose uh, uh, books that we've always kind of wanted to read or have been told we should read but have never gotten around to, because I know, I know in my case, Stace, being a librarian and the book person for many decades now and an avid Mm -hmm. reader, everyone's always giving me suggestions of books to read. And my to read pile is the height of a sequoia now. Yes. So, um, there are the books that I actually get to and the books that I, you know, kind of like, Oh, someday I'll get to it before I die. And then books I will definitely not get to. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will always just say, Oh, I'll get to it if people follow up with it. But we decided we would each for this episode, tackle a book that was on our kind of like books we should read before we die list just because. Right. Um, so we chose very different books. What did you choose? So I chose an, an older book called Mm -hmm. the, called the age of innocence by Edith Wharton. Um, it, you know, this was, this was published a, a long time ago. It's a classic. It is a classic. There have been movies made of it. I have never seen them, but. You I haven't? I No. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll have a separate conversation about the mid nineties adaptation. Okay. Maybe we'll, maybe it will be, I'll enjoy it more than the book. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, I mean, it was fine. I've read Edith Wharton before. I loved, she, she also wrote a book called the house of mirth, Mm -hmm. which was, I loved that book. Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't love, I thought I was going to love this one. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, as when I started reading it, but it just kind of, it really meandered its way through the plot. And I just, 
didn't really click with any of the characters. So it was, you know, I kind of felt like it should be called the age of tediousness. But um, <laughs> Something that a lot of people want to say about a lot of classic works, but are often afraid to out loud. So congratulations. Well, thank you. So, so basically to summarize the book, it, this, this book is very much a comment on New York society circa the late 1800s, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically is a study about how the, the rules and the mores and the conventions of that time were first. That Those were the following those conventions and those rules were before one's own, were put before one's own happiness. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's really what this book is a comment, a, I so think, basi- a comment on. So basically high society of that time, because if I remember correctly, the book is about high society. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Really has a doctrine to it. This kind of yes. rules you follow and this is how everyone gets by and don't deviate kind of like absolutely yes absolutely there's a there's a quote in the in the last chapter of the book that's um says the passions of individuals were surrendered to perpetuate the social order Mm -hmm. and that's really the book in the nut in a nutshell (laughs) so So, who are the people in it so the people in it um newland archer he is engaged to um a socialite named May Welland. And that's when the book opens. They are just, um, they are newly engaged. They are about to announce their engagement and Newland can't believe his luck, right? He's, Mm -hmm. he's so enamored with May. He just thinks she's, you know, the best, you know, best match for him and good families are coming together, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, enters May's cousin, the Countess Ellen Olenska. And she is estranged from her husband. She had been living in Europe. And she comes back to New York. And it's kind of a scandal, right? She's left her husband. Yeah. And that doesn't play well. (laughs) She's breaking the rule. Right, exactly. And although the they don't really talk about divorce mm-hmm. at all in this book. I don't even think that word is used. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are frequent attempts throughout the story to get her by her family and by her husband to get her to go back to him, to mm-hmm. go back to, to Europe. Um, well, needless to say, Newland Archer falls in love with her. And he, he realizes, you know, all the, the short, you know, suddenly he realizes all the shortcomings of, of his betrothed. And he's also then put in a position to be a kind of, um, go between, between the Countess Olenska and her, her husband and Mm -hmm. her family, you know, to, to kind of try to talk sense into her. And, and so them being together, it, where in most cases, if they were alone together, it would be frowned on by society. But because of all mm-hmm. these rules and this role that he's been asked to play, he is kind of, he is allowed to be alone with her. Uh-oh. And so that kind of, 
you know, perpetuates them getting to know each other. And he definitely falls in love with her and she, she admits her love for him, but they don't ever consummate an affair. They don't, Mm -hmm. you know, she will not, you know, she says, I'm not going to do this, um, you know, to your wife. She's my cousin. I'm not going to have her hurt, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually they get to a point where they're just like, you know what, we can't deny this anymore. Um, we're going to have an affair (laughs) and, we're going to, you know, we're going to meet up in the afternoon in a hotel and all that kind of stuff. And, um, his wife, so new, they're married by this time, Newland's wife, May, she is hip to, she knows what's going on this whole time. She, she has figured out that there is something between them and she goes to see her cousin. And Mm -hmm. even though this is not, this is something like off camera, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't really happen in the book, but you get the sense that it, you know, of what does. She goes to her and says, "Leave my husband alone. Mm-hmm. You know, just stay away." Mm-hmm. And shortly thereafter, uh, Ellen goes back to Europe, and then the book flashes forward, uh, you know, like twenty five years. And Newland is in his late fifties and his grown son, um, they've, they've, they've since had two kids together, Newland and May and his grown son says, Oh, I have to go to Europe. Why don't you come with me? May has since died. Okay. And so they go to, they go to Paris where Ellen uh, Olenska is living still not no longer married mm-hmm. and um he has the opportunity to go and see her and he he chooses not to really yes and it's almost like his what he's built up in his head of her and what they could have had all these years the thought of that is like better right than actually going through with it right so i mean did- which is a pretty I think for a lot of people it's a pretty common thing. Yeah, I think if you if you go through with it you you run the risk of being severely disappointed because exactly. we all get old and we've all had different lives and yada yada right. yada, right? Right. So so basically the way you've described the plot is at least in terms of characters Newland who sounds kind of very typical character of that time, <laughs> mm-hmm. problematic in a variety of reasons even for readers of his day. Um, but for the two main women protagonists, the Countess and her cousin May, it's kind of like passion versus convention. And that's the choice yes. that Newland is making is, does he follow his passion or does he yes. follow convention? Right. Totally. And it, you know, it, it lends kind of a sad tone yeah. to the book, you know, that people's true happiness is being forsaken. Um, you know, because of these conventions. And, you know, I think that was one of the reasons why it wasn't terribly enjoying to read um, because it was, you just felt so sad for these people. Right. I, I agree with that. And I also think that there's, you know, one of the things that's often said about this book in relation to Edith Wharton is she was of this society. She was mm-hmm. in the high society in New York in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Um, 
and you know was young and impressionable. She didn't write this book until after World War One, though, when right. that society was fracturing right and left. Right, and um, those conventions were beginning to fracture. And so I think I often interpret this book as a her looking back to that earlier time and critiquing it in a way she couldn't do so at the time. You know, now I'm an right. older woman and I have this voice and I have authority and integrity and I can write this story and no one can tell me not to. And things have changed. Yeah. You know, I mean, World War One changed a lot of of those conventions at, at that at that point. And they even, you know, it's it's inter- it is interesting how the book is going along. And then when you get to that last chapter and and time has passed and it's you know, they talk about how things have changed. Like he get, when he gets a, he gets a long distance phone call, he's in New York and his son is in Chicago and he gets the phone call from his son and he marvels at how clear the sound is. It's like he's in the next room and the advances that have been made, like you can get to Europe on a boat in five days. Right. You know, um, they, they, you know, there is definitely, um, she definitely points out how not only have, has the changes in, you know, technology of the, of the time and, and, you know, the rules of society are different now. Yeah. Um, it it does, it does bring to mind certain kind of sad ending books or melancholy books that were of great importance. And a lot of people read, you know, written across since then too, right? I'm thinking right. of Graham Greene's End of the Affair or mm-hmm. The Sugar's Remains of the Day. There are there are other books that kind of have this kind of underlying tension and melancholy um, that comes out in a different way. So I can see how it would be a long-lasting book. But to your point of change, Stace, you know, there's a line that I've found in this book that really made me wonder about how we've even changed continuously up to today in 2021 in relation to this. And that quote is they all lived a kind of hieroglyphic world where the real thing was never said or done or even thought that's that convention, right? But yes. was only represented by a set of arbitrary signs. And if you couldn't understand the signs, if you couldn't interpret the hieroglyph, right. you were already on the outs, right? Yes. And that's what your point was. They never said anything out loud. It was kind of hinted or alluded to, or, you know, in their actions. And in today's world with social media, where anybody can say anything in extreme Mm -hmm. bluntness, (laughs) you know, I wonder if even that could happen. I I don't know that, you know, living in a hieroglyphic world is even possible anymore because it's just all in your face. It is. Although I would say that, you know, perhaps with just the the generational differences mm-hmm. there, you know, that could present a kind of hieroglyphic, you know, context, right. Right? right. You know, some of the, the, the vocabulary and the, the things that younger people say, <laughs> right. You know, have to, sometimes it has to be like my own, my own children, you know, <laughs> I have to get, they're what they're saying translated. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, generationally, yeah. I think that still exists, but, um, absolutely that, you know, the, I, I wonder what Edith Wharton would think of the world we're living in today. Oh my gosh. Um, I couldn't imagine the book she would write. I know it, me either. I mean, I really think she would still be pushing the envelope of, 
of what is conventional today, just like she did then. Yeah, totally. For sure. So, so age of it, the age of innocence, it, it definitely is not my favorite book, but I'm glad I read it and I can tick it off of my uh, list. Of <laughs> <laughs> How about you? You picked a very, very different book. I picked a very, very different book, but it was a book that has been on my radar for a very long time because a number of people that I know and respect um, like the author or have liked the book and said I should read it. Yes. Um, and I understand why now after reading the book. So uh, the book I chose to read was Tales of Margaritaville, Tales from Margaritaville mm-hmm. by Jimmy Buffett, the you know world powerhouse that is Jimmy Buffett nowadays, right? Yes. Yep. And um, you know he has he's a singer songwriter. He's a uh, a writer. He um, is a storyteller. He is an entrepreneur and businessman. You know, he's really just created a, a Jimmy Buffett brand. And like a lot of big musicians, like, um, you know, the band or mm-hmm. um, Grateful Dead or whoever else that are kind of of that same generation, he has a massive following, right? Um, those who really self-identify as Jimmy Buffett fans call themselves parrot heads. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I totally totally get why I like his music. I'm not someone who actually, you know, buys his stuff, um, or listens to it on a regular basis, but I certainly appreciate it. And I appreciate the vibe that kind of relaxed um, vibe that he brings. And he, his whole kind of persona is, is based around, um, you know, Island life, um, the keys, um, the Martha's vineyard or down into the Caribbean, um, and very much being by the ocean and, you know, day drinking and hanging out with people and listening to and telling stories and just basically having a good time. So in 1989, he wrote Tales from Margaritaville. It was the first adult book. He had co-written a children's book with his daughter a couple Mm -hmm. years before. Which was based on a song. Yes. Like a lot of the his jolly writing. man. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. A lot of his writing is, yeah. I like, I like how he ties that together. Like in, you know, in it, all, in all, um, honesty, Christopher, I am a parrot head. That's all myself. right. <laughs> so just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I celebrate parrot heads, even though okay. I'm not one. Um, okay. That's great. So you can correct the stuff I get wrong then, Stace. <laughs> Um, because I'm not an expert, you know, his song, the breakout song that he's known for is Margaritaville that came out right. in 1977. And by a decade later, he was, you know, he had a Margaritaville restaurant and a store. And then this mm-hmm. book kind of fit into that as a creative outlet. The book came out in 1989 and the, the, he has written books since then. I think the latest book he may have written came out in the late nineties. It was a memoir. Um, but this book is a collection of stories, yes. primarily fictional. There's a section of it that is autobiographical stories. So I'll, I'll get to that in a second. The book Tales from Margaritaville is in three sections. There's a very int- brief intro, including uh, an essay that's about a page long called Where is Margaritaville? Um, because he gets that question so often from people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in his mind, it's kind of a state of mind. And his answer is, when you are there, you will know it. Huh. Um but the the three sections of the book, there's the first group of short stories called the Heat Wave Chronicles. Um, the first one features this character, Tully Mars, who I just kind of christened as this cowboy Kerouac, because that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the crux of his story. He works on a ranch in Wyoming, but he gives it up. You know, the, the 
ranch gets sold, he's a very much a cowboy, old style mm-hmm. cowboy, and, and ranching cattle is what he loves to do. So this ranch gets sold to some new out of town or city slickers who come in and they decide they're going to stop, you know, <laughs> raising cattle and they're going to start raising poodles because there's more money in poodles. And that's such a Jimmy Buffett thing, right? That right, kind of right. Humorous twist. So the rancher Tully um, goes off on an adventure with his horse and just, um, you know, travels basically down to the to the south of the U.S. and over to Florida and out to islands and what have you. And has has really, you know, those typical Jimmy Buffett adventures, you know, wine, women, and song, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, kind of a harmless character um, who just tells or generates stories as he goes along. Um, you know, so that's the kind of nature of those first part of the short stories. There's a second section of the book called Margaritian Madness, <laughs> um, which is just two very short stories. And I love the first one, which has former rich kid Lance Lattimore, who's now a bartender in Margaritaville, who after a lifetime of complete lack of responsibility, born rich, now is poor. Yes. He wakes up one morning and decides to commit suicide by walking into the ocean. He lives on an island, you know, down there mm-hmm. in the Keys or wherever. So he finds a rope, remembers from his Boy Scout days how to tie a noose, and then he finds a giant cinder block, and he proceeds to start just walking into the ocean, considering, you know, his fate and and why he should commit suicide. The only trouble is the shore at their island is so shallow, it goes (laughs) way out, and, you know, he's walked a mile, and he's still only in as far as his waist. And so, you know, he stops, he hears the phone ringing back at his house a mile away, apparently, Um, (laughs) and he remembers at that point he didn't write a suicide note, so he should probably go back and at least answer the phone and tell them that he's committing (laughs) suicide, which is what he does. And you're already laughing, because that's kind of the tone of this this story, right? And he goes back, and it was basically the phone company calling, telling them to let him know that he was getting a service cut off for non-payment. Um, and so, you know, he's just logged back to the house and then he stops and considers it would probably be a good two mile walk out into the ocean before he found the deep part enough to commit suicide. So he decides he'll just live another day. And <laughs> the story is presented as him as the bartender telling this to Jimmy over drinks midday at the bar that he's working at. And, um, it, again, it's just like, it's just typical Jimmy Buffett kind of story. I really, I chuckled out loud and I thought it was very clever. The third section of the book is uh, more autobiographical stories. Mm-hmm. And the one that I liked Stace is because you and I were chatting Hemingway before this yes. The PBS Hemingway mm-hmm. series just right. came out. I almost read a Hemingway book for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and chose not to. I went Jimmy Buffett instead. So that says something about me. The third section of the book <laughs> is these autobiographical stories under the heading Son of a Son of a Sailor. And the first one is the one that got me hooked in the heart. And it's um, when that there was a moment in Jimmy Buffett's life when he got to meet the character that Hemingway based The Old Man in the Sea on. Oh, was wow. This old Cuban fisherman named Gregorio Fuentes mm-hmm. and Hemingway's son and granddaughter, uh, looped Jimmy Buffett into a documentary they were making on Hemingway and old man in the sea. And so basically I think it was like the late seventies, maybe in the mid eighties, they went down to Cuba, um, to do some filming. And he talks a little bit about being in Cuba and Havana and then going out to being offered to go out and meet this old man who's still alive and um, 
goes out there and meets him and hangs out with him on his porch and sees his fishing wow. boat and everything. And it's a really brief story. And he, again, kind of presents it as kind of light in a very Buffett style. But you can tell that it's very meaningful for him, right? He really mm-hmm. loves the story yeah. of the man in the sea and meeting the guy is really important to him. And and in a way, you kind of, I finished the story thinking, you know, yeah, that that Fuentes character, that old man character is also a Jimmy Buffett character in a yeah. way, you know? Absolutely. And, World- you know, he, one of his very popular songs is called Son of a Son of a Sailor. Mm-hmm. And it has that, the, the tone of this story that you're describing is very much the same tone of that song. Yeah, totally. You can get it. it you can mm-hmm. tell it resonated with him. And yeah, it was just this, you know, he is an old character who is, the world is swirling around him, but he sees what is important to himself. And yeah. um, that's very a, a very Jimmy Buffett outlook, I think. And so, you know, I think Carlos Fuentes could be construed as a parrot head in <laughs> in some way. Um, and then, so, you know, that's the, the nature of these short story collections, Tales from Margaritaville. It's a book I would recommend to others. Um, if anything, as a way to introduce themselves to Jimmy Buffett, I learned a lot about him just mm-hmm. doing this little bit of research. The favorite thing I learned about Jimmy Buffett is that he, he scored the music for Spicoli's theme in <laughs> times at Ridgemont high, which, you know, you remember when that movie it's came very out. Fitting. Yes. <laughs> Sean Penn played the, yes. the surfer character who was much smarter than he gave on. Right. Um, and he kind of had this kind of stoner music theme mm-hmm. in Jimmy Buffett. Uh, I didn't he, know that. That scored that. That is great. I, Isn't you know, it? I never read tales from Margaritaville, but I did read Jimmy Buffett's memoir that he wrote when he turned 50 called a pirate looks at 50. Right. I, I loved it. Did you? I, you know, I, I just love that book and, you know, but being a fan, mm-hmm. you know, I saw, you know, I went to see Jimmy Buffett every single year as a kid growing up every single mm-hmm. summer, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I you know, have seen him many, many, many times as an adult. And so as soon as that book came out, I, I went bought it and <laughs> have it in hard copy awesome. and, um, just, you know, I, I, I really loved it. And he is, he's very much, he's kind of like a Renaissance man, right? I mean, there's, you, you already mentioned how he's, he is a restaurateur and, you know, of course he's a musician and he, um, he, he had a Broadway show, a show Mm -hmm. that he wrote and went to, was on Broadway for a little while. I actually got to see that, Mm -hmm. um, when it was in its, previews down mm-hmm. in San Diego called Escape to Margaritaville. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, he flies planes and, um, he's, you know, he's, there's so much more to him than just the guy who sings about getting drunk and <laughs> lying on the beach. Yeah. You get that sense, right? I mean, there is, a, yeah. there is obviously a layer of determination and steel and businessman somewhere mm-hmm. underneath all of that. Yeah, but but overriding it is this persona that he has crafted, which is really masterful. And I really think he's a creative dude. I really like that. Mm-hmm. You know, especially learning about how um, in my research, as you mentioned, he 
a lot of these stories, he's tied into songs or songs into stories, and he kind of creates those connections there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was very influenced by his his grandfather, mm-hmm. who was a, a, a World War II veteran, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the his time that he spent in Paris and very influenced. And, and it makes sense to me that he has written these stories about uh, Gregorio Fuentes and mm-hmm. and the, that Hemingway angle makes a lot of sense because I think there's a lot of influence there as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so um, oh, I'm glad you I'm glad you read that. I'm glad we got to talk about Jimmy Buffett a little bit. I never <laughs> thought we would on this podcast, but um, he I I just I I love him and I love his music and um, it. it it is like you said, like he said, you'll know when you're in Margaritaville, when you, when you're there, I would you know, say, I think yeah. searching for that is a good, good thing to do. <laughs> it's the quest, right? It's right. those compelling quests. Again, you know, he's not, I'm not a parrot head after reading this book. I'm not, I told you I'm not dress, dressing <laughs> you're, you're in not Hawaiian a convert. shirts, <laughs> no, but I genuinely have a new appreciation for the guy. And I genuinely enjoyed, um, uh, most of the book, it was really, you know, very, again, just very creative and short, short stories. Yeah. So, you know, if you want something you can pick up and put down and pick up and put down, or maybe listen to an audio version, if it, if it's available, this would be a good, good thing to pick up. But yeah, we, this would, these were interesting book discussions for books that we didn't really ever plan to get around to soon. Right. Yeah. And, and books that people haven't probably heard about or thought about in quite a while. So, you know, listeners, let us know what's on your list of books you've always wanted to read and let us know what you think about the books that we've discussed today. Yep. And in the meantime, go grab something refreshing to drink and we will be back with our conversation. Welcome back, listeners. We have arrived at the C conversation portion of the episode, and today we are having a conversation with each other. (laughs) I I hope hopefully people aren't sick of hearing us converse with each other. I I know. I know. I hope they're not turning off the pod. Please don't turn off the podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Bear with us. Um. Yeah, so we just thought we would take a little bit of time today and fill in, fill you all in on what we are up to in our respective agencies. Yeah, you know, we we get people on to be conversation guests because they each do something unique and in contributing to the live work lifestyle of the Eastern Sierra, right? And so we were just chatting and, you know, I run the libraries and Stace, you uh, run the office of Ed and we've each got stuff coming up. A lot of really exciting stuff has been happening during the mm-hmm. pandemic. Yep. And we thought maybe we should give ourselves a little bit of air time just to kind of let people know what our organizations and our teams have been up to. Right. Absolutely. And one unique um, factor of um, in Mono County is that the Mono County office of education is the entity that, is responsible for the public libraries. And we are the only county in the state of California, only county office of education in the state of California that provides that service. So, and it's, I'm, I feel very honored and, and lucky to be able to do that. So to have that interaction with the libraries. So, well, I think it's really beneficial and I feel very honored just to be part of it and have you as a boss. I'll say that in front of everybody. Oh, you're so sweet. That's very kind. 
I appreciate that. So go, what's going on at the Office of Ed right now, um, you know, our, our biggest um, thing right now, of course, is helping and supporting our districts, our school districts, with kids coming back to school for in-person learning. So that's very exciting. And, you know, we've waited, it seems like we've waited a long time. And it's, you know, as we were saying earlier in this episode, it's not without our, it's not without challenges. Um, but as we always do, we always work very hard to support our districts and whatever their needs are. And with bringing kids back to school now, um, we're just continuing to do that. And that's our chief mm-hmm. um, goal. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it is. And we, we enjoy it, though. Um, and then um, we have a new program that just kicked off in the begin January of this year. Um, the California Department of Health and Human Services has put a lot of money into um, increasing social and emotional learning uh, strategies and skills and programs for kids across the state. Mm-hmm. And so um, our office received a grant um, to implement a social emotional learning community of practice. And so we have, we've begun that work. Uh, we have representatives from our, our, all of our school districts, the County Office of Ed, the library, our Mono County Department of Social Services is represented on this group. And we are working hard to develop programs that can be used by all of our teachers in every single one of our classrooms so that our students can be supported as best as they can in the area of social emotional learning so they can have good um, social emotional health. And particularly during this time that we've all been going through with COVID that the, the mental health aspect is, has been very, it's been challenging. So um, very excited to have the opportunity to serve our kids in this way. And then, Last, we have um, the Create Eastern Sierra Summer Arts Institute, which is a big event that is going to be taking place on June 21st and 22nd. And our office is putting that together um, in partnership with the Mono Arts Council. It's a two-day virtual event of workshops that teachers or anybody really from all over the state of California can come and sign up for. And there is a registration fee and you can learn about integrating all domains of the arts into the everyday school curriculum. And we do have a, um, a slight slant to the, the social emotional benefits of arts education and what that provides for kids who, you know, maybe aren't connected academically, you know, that's not their thing or athletics isn't their thing, but they can connect um, through the arts. And we're really trying to um, improve and help teachers with offering those opportunities for their students. So That's so important because, you know, there, there are so many studies out there that show kids who are engaged with arts or music 
or what have you in the classroom often do better in science and math or yes. are more successful in school. So the, so there's a there's like that that butterfly effect of participating in a in a band or something like that as a right. student helps you be a better scientist later when you're in college or something like that. You Absolutely. Know, yeah. Yeah. And you know, when we're really trying to bring back using using this event, using these workshops as a way to help teachers, you know, kind of recapture the joy of why they became teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, this these last 18 months that we've been going through this, you know, distance learning and now coming back to school, it's been very, very stressful. It's very difficult. Um, it's been a very difficult time for teachers and for students. And so if we can help through these workshops, teachers remember the the joy of why they became teachers and what, what can happen in a classroom when you're doing something with your students that everybody is engaged in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that, um, you know, this, this is our first year of this event and I'm hoping it's going to be an annual event. Um, I think it has the potential to be so. And, um, yeah. So if you're looking for more information, we'll put a link in our, um, on the Instagram page and, and, uh, in the show notes for sure. Awesome. So how about the library? There's a lot, always so much going on at the library. <laughs> yeah. So just a reminder to our listeners, um, Mono County libraries has seven locations throughout the County and like libraries around California during the pandemic, we initially shut down and we pivoted everything as much as possible to virtual or online um, or pick up and go kind of services. Right. But we did reopen last summer with limited on-site use. And despite a period of having to close again around the Christmas holidays, we're back open again, all seven locations. And uh, people can come in and they can browse. They can use the computers. Depending on the library, there are different restrictions at each site because the sizes of the places are very different. The layouts are different. We have to follow the those pandemic guidelines, but so much has been going on. We've been doing yes. virtual story times. We do um, regular story times every Wednesday. And then every other Friday, we do a Spanish story time via the Mammoth Lakes Facebook page, as well as host guest story time tellers every Monday called Storytime Presents on that same Facebook page. So that's for our youngest users. We do have an early literacy newsletter that people can find on the Mono County Library's website and sign up for to find out all the stuff that's going on for those youngest library readers of ours. We do still uh, doing um, uh, uh, reaching out to general users as well through these new Storytime to Go kits that we've created. They're mm-hmm. neat little bags that we put library books in, as well as a craft activity on a different theme relating to the books. And young parents can come in, check them out, just like they check out a book. And then they can go home and they can read the books with their children, do the craft, keep all the craft stuff. And then all they have to do is return the books in the bag. And that's, that's been I love a success that idea. so far. Yeah, that's it's so great. great. Well, you know, I joke, this is the year, the pandemic has made it the year that people pick things up from libraries in bags. So um, (laughs) then for like slightly older kids, we've just started this new program called Mono Book Boxes. These are kind of like book subscription boxes that you can sign up for and pay for, but in the library, um, they're for free. And we uh, work with kids, you sign up and you, the kids tell us what kind of stuff they want to read. 
and we find books and put them in this box along with a little, uh, maybe like a bookmark or something that is related to that month's theme. And then maybe like a little, um, piece of candy or something like that. Cause it's all special about opening the box. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, again, kids sign up and they come in and they check out these book boxes and they take it all home and they get to keep everything, but the box and the books They are, they return the library books and they return the box so that they can get something else the next month. And those have been very popular, um, among kids. We saw other libraries doing this. And so we're kind of copying it and it's been a really effective way of engaging with kids when we can't really welcome a whole lot of kids into our building. Yeah. And it's, and it's just great for them to have that tactile hands-on stuff to do since they, you know, since they haven't been in the classroom. Yeah. And so for our older kids, our teens around the county, we've been doing an evolution of storytelling project. And that also included a journaling box component. Mm -hmm. And I think we might have some left that, that teens can still come in and use and get crafts to create and do journaling on their own, which has been very popular during the pandemic with people of all ages, right? They've they've been journaling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's great. And we're about to move into the next phase of that teen project where we do um, digital storytelling. And we purchased a bunch of iPads that the teen students will be able to use to learn and create their own digital stories. So that will be really fun. That'll be coming up in May. And then um, for all ages, we do have the makerspace. Uh-huh. And that's gone. That's gone virtual too. We have makerspace to go kits that people can come in and and pick up everything from painting to pom pom catapults to um, <laughs> this month. It's blackout poetry. We have a new nature learning zine where kids can go outdoors and do activities outdoors and learn about the nature around the Eastern Sierra and color in and learn things. And these have been very popular too. You just have to come in and ask at the desk. There's a whole assortment to let you browse and, and take one as well. The makerspace team is collaborating with the Mono arts council and Mono County behavioral health next month in May to do another virtual public art show around the theme of what people's pandemic experiences have been. The theme will oh, be how called, cool. yeah, it'll be called let go and people can solicit, they can submit their own poetry, their own artwork, their own writing, uh, through the Mono Arts Council with, um, you know, us participating with them. And, and it will just be kind of a community way of communicating around what our different experiences are and where we are. And, and what we're thinking is having large chalkboards and chalk at different sites around the mm-hmm. county that people just walking by can write something on, which would be kind of nice. So yes, yeah, so that, that'll be really fun over the summer when, you know, we have all of our tourists here yeah. and, um, that'll be really cool to see what, what they come up with. And then there's also this theme, you know, under the thought of let go, there might be little uh, boxes around that County too, where people can write on a post-it note, something they want to let go, something Mm -hmm. from this whole thing, they just want to be done with. And then they fold it up and drop it in the box. So it's kind of like this cathartic, And then as well, we're, we're doing, we're, uh, in the early stages of planning a learning garden at the Mammoth Lakes Library, which has some outdoor space that we can use for this, where we can really do some outdoor programming with makerspace participants around what it means to create a garden and how to grow things. And also, again, just kind of learn about the types of plants that grow in the Eastern Sierra. And that may be in partnership with the Eastern Sierra Land Trust. We're still working that out, but we're really excited. 
Listeners can find out more about that at our Makerspace newsletter, which you can get to from the library website. And then lastly, the two things, you know, so summer reading will be coming up. Yeah. In July, I'm always going to promo that, and, and I'll probably plug that again before July. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of our youth programming happens over the summer. But we don't let adults off the hook either. So there's a couple <laughs> of things aside from this podcast um, that the library is doing for adults in terms of programming. We do do an online book club that is on the Mammoth Lakes Library Facebook page and then also a live Zoom conversation every two months. We just finished discussing the library book by Susan Orlean, which was great. Open for free to anyone who wants to join, countywide or beyond, and we're about to choose the book for June, so find out more on our website. And then as well, we've just started about two months ago what I call Book Talk Fridays, and this is where I get in front of the camera for about five minutes a week and and choose one old book and one new book from the library collections that people can check out. And just kind of as a way to remind people that, A, we're open and you can come in and browse for books that you want to check out again, but also maybe there's some books that you've forgotten about. (laughs) And, um, you know, just kind of remind them and maybe um, uh, 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 they can come in and and check out or explore on their own. But that's available on our website as well. We have a link right on the first page and as well at the Mono County Library's Instagram. So I'll and you do all this stuff. You do such a good job with those, I have to say. You're making my list of books I want to read, like extend it every, <laughs> every Friday. It's fun. It's a good muscle to exercise as a, as a collection development librarian. So I really enjoy doing it. And I've gotten a lot of good feedback and suggestions from people. So listeners, I encourage you to go to the library website and click on those Book Talk Friday links and, and let me know what you think. And if you have books you want to suggest that we promote, um, let me know. But, you know, that's just some of what the library is up to. You know, the staff across all seven locations has been real troopers throughout this whole pandemic, so flexible and so anxious to have people back in our libraries again. So we're hopeful that the trends continue, that we can just continue to reopen broader and broader and broader and kind of get back to some semblance of normalcy again, because we really love having people in our libraries. Definitely. And they're... They're just friendly, welcoming places, and there's always so much going on there, and you all do an amazing job. Thank you. I'll pass that on to the team. Please do. So, So, listeners, um, that's just a flavor of what Stacy and I are doing in the Eastern Sierra at this time of the year. We hope that you are looking forward to your summer about the time this podcast comes out and you're looking at ways that you can get out responsibly and safely and exhale a little bit and enjoy and appreciate life a little bit, um, which is kind of what this podcast is about. So yeah, thank, we'll put all of this on the show page, by the way, so you didn't have to take notes or pull off the highway and try and listen to it again. Um, but uh, in the meantime, you know, follow us at our Instagram account, O2Starved, as well as our Facebook account. You can find more information at oxygenstarvedpodcast.com, which is where we'll post all this information. And you can also contact us through that website if you have suggestions or feedback. Right, Stace? Yep. Please do so. We'd love to hear from you. We genuinely love to hear from you. In the meantime, stay safe, um, happy reading, and happy adventures. Take care. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. 
Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.